0: Hello and thanks for choosing yet another very special episode of Fantastic Noise where we are celebrating 25 years of the University of Bedfordshire's community radio station, Radiolab 97.1FM. I'm Terry Lee, Senior Tutor in Radio and Audio at the University of Bedfordshire. Thanks for your time, and thanks very much indeed for your ears. In May 2022, here at the Luton campus of the university, we were celebrating. Our beloved radio station, Radiolab, marked 25 years since its first incarnation as Luton FM in May 1997. Back then, the station was live for just 28 days at a time on a Restricted Service Licence, or RSL. It was founded by my former colleague, Dr Janie Gordon, who retired from the university five years ago. I took over the licence when I joined the university in 2014. Radio Lab, and Luton FM before it, has always been a radio station that isn't afraid to give students and volunteers creative space to try things out on air. For some, this is finding their confidence to speak on air across Luton and online. For others, it is experimenting with a new feature, a creative pre-record, maybe even an award-winning documentary. For lots of people, it is about playing some of their favourite music, learning some skills, making friends, having fun. Not everyone involved wants to make professional radio. But plenty do, which is why four years ago the university welcomed its first cohort of a brand new radio and audio BA honours course, our dedicated radio degree. Plenty of students on other courses have always got involved in Radiolab, but this degree was for the radio purists. Two students who have now just graduated from that course led on Radiolab's 25-year celebrations by hosting a 25-hour marathon programme. Each hour featured music and alumni voices from a different year, starting with 1997 going on to the present day. It was a lot of work for Nathan Randall and Toby Crabb, but they did a great job. So great, with so much quality material, I thought I'd use some of the interviews they conducted with successful Radio Lab alumni for a fantastic noise episode. So let's hear from some of those alumni, starting with Melvin O'Doom a British radio DJ and television presenter. He is best known for presenting on BBC Radio 1, alongside Ricky Hayward-Williams, another Bedfordshire alumnus, and Charlie Hedges. Some of you may be aware the trio came back to the university in June 2022 with Radio 1 for a week of live programmes. A real treat for us all at the university. Nathan and Toby started by asking Melvin
1: about his first memories of making
0: radio at the Luton campus.
1: So it was 98. So that's where I actually met Ricky. So I met yeah. Ricky. Yeah. Um, it was Luton then. So it was the University of Luton then. Now it's switched to Bedfordshire. And it was called Luton FM before Radio Lab. And to be honest with you, I wasn't too sure what I wanted to do. I knew I liked entertaining and I knew I loved presenting and broadcasting, but I wasn't too sure about the whole radio thing. We had an amazing uh, lecturer there called Janie Gordon and Anne Kay as well. And they were kind of saying, Mel, if you wanted to, to become a presenter or broadcaster, the radio is a really good kind of like introduction to that. Um, and that's how I fell into it.
2: You know, that's the thing. I think when you're, when you're uh, at university, you see the radio station and it's like, it either goes one way, doesn't it? Like you go, oh, no, not for me. And then you're on want- Day. You absolutely love it and you will keep doing it. Melvin, may I ask, what were you, what were some roles you were doing when you were at Luton FM? Was it presenting or were you doing more than presenting at Luton FM?
1: It was mainly presenting. So me and Ricky had a show with our mate Charles Jufe. and Charlie at the time was working for Sony Street Team and he was like the DJ of our house. So he would do like mixes on the show and then me and Rick would do like pranks and we did, used to do like silly little games and play like loads of R&B and hip-hop and stuff like that. I think we called it like the urban version or something like that. It was some random name like that. And to be honest, it was like the most fun that we ever had. And it was just like, we probably had about 10 listeners, but for us, it felt like the whole world was listening. But I think with you guys, you had the RSL for a lot longer. We had it for like maybe two months or something like that. Yeah. The license was a lot shorter. So I was, when I heard that you guys had it for this amount of time and I saw your studio, I was so jealous because so much has changed. I am so lucky, man. Definitely jealous. But
3: what was your favourite memory of being at Lucent FM? Um,
1: <laughs> we used to do this, this section. You probably won't be able to do it now. Where we, we used to expose other students. So if we found out, like, rumours or, like, little, like, secrets and stuff we'd do like an exposure on air. I can't remember what the feature was called, um, but that was something that we just loved doing. And to be honest, Charles's mixes were on point because this guy was taught by a guy called DJ Kofi, who was probably one of the biggest um, R&B DJs at the time, technically, and he worked with Sony as well. And so we were just always lucky to hear his mixes and he used to get exclusive tracks all the time. A lot of the albums that... I listened to back then came through him. Um, so yeah, just hearing Charles's mixes and watching him do stuff, technically he was, he was amazing. Everything then was vinyl for him.
2: You know, that's the type of features. I think that's like the, uh, the classic student radio features though.
1: That's yeah. How, that's, I mean, brilliant. any, anything where it just involves us having fun. We, we were always about it. And I think for me and Ricks, our relationship was a complete accident. We didn't come to uni and go, right, I need to, get into a duo and we're going to have a radio show together. And then we're going to find an amazing broadcaster called Charlie and end up on the breakfast show. Everything was an accident. It was really organic and I'm sure it's the same for you guys. I can see that you're really like close and you trust each other. And I can see just from the smiles on your faces, you, you physically love radio. You love everything about it. And when I was speaking to you off mic, Your knowledge for stuff is just kind of so vast. Um, And so, yeah, that's why I just think you guys will go far because you live, breathe and you sleep radio. And I think that's what it's about. A lot of people think it's glitz and glamour and they want to be famous and they want to earn loads of money. But it's not about that. It's about the love first.
3: What was your worst moment at the station?
1: At our station? You know what? All the memories for me were so positive. If, if If I'm honest, it was the fact that it felt so short is literally like as soon as you were were warming up and you felt like people were listening we only had the the license for like a few months so it just felt like oh man like it's already over and then you had to wait another year before you had the opportunity for it to come again so for me it was kind of more like the time scale but in terms of the actual show in terms of the people that we worked with in terms of like the music that we had i loved every minute of it and like when I think about the equipment, you guys, the equipment you've got, got right now is so advanced. Like we had, do you remember Cool Edit Pro? <laughs> yeah,
2: like
1: that, cool that, Edit went Pro. Back. that was before Adobe. Yeah. So like it was, and I mean, it was really, really similar, but it wasn't as advanced. The, the stuff that you guys can do now is like next level. So, but even then we were so happy with this, the stuff that we had. I, I loved every minute of it. And I felt like I learned a lot from, from like our lecturers and Ricky, because Ricky had come from Brit school and he did radio at Brit. So he taught me loads of stuff as well.
2: Right after you finished here at the university, what did you go on to do when you just finished uni?
1: Um, that is a really good question. So I, was, I went on to be broke because I had so much student loan to pay off. Um, I really, really wanted to work at One Extra. And I remember going to the Open Day And um, I met like an exec there and I was like, hi, I'm Melvin, just finished my degree, Um, got 2-1, I did radio, media performance with radio, really, really excited to work here. And one extra just launched and this guy turned to me and said, Melvin, you seem like a really enthusiastic young man, but have a look at that young lady over there. She's done two years work experience over there and then he pointed at another person and said that person's been working in radio for five years and he just started pointing around the room and just showed the the plethora of people who had so much more experience within radio that I had and so I kind of went away from that day going I'm not ready to be working with the BBC just yet. So I worked with young people in East London at a youth club um, called the Fraud Centre. Then I went on to teach. I used to teach in Tower Hamlets College, like drama and dance. And then Ricky was doing work experience everywhere. And he got me a job at One Extra, like a, about a year afterwards. And so I just worked my butt off and um, got a freelance gig with Ricky. And we were there for about two years. Ricky was there for probably about three years. And then we entered this competition and got signed as presenters and they helped us get on KISS.
3: One thing I'd also like to ask you, uh, how did working at Luton FM or Radio Lab, as it is now help you get to where you are today?
1: For me, it it helps me realise that I I had a passion for radio. I think I always loved listening to radio because I enjoy people like Trevor Nelson and I love listening to like Radio One and Kiss and I was so excited by One Extra. So when I went to to Luton and we did Luton FM, I was like, actually, I can actually see myself doing this. Because I think some people, I don't know about you guys, but when I started at uni, I, I wasn't too sure what I wanted to do. I was like, I kind of like bits of that. I like bits of that but I wasn't like specifically focused on anything. And Luton FM gave me that focus. It helped me realise that I do have a love for radio and I could see, see myself doing this as a job. So I think that was what it helped me to do. And it's, it's only since you guys actually asked me that question that I realised that, but I think it definitely gave me that focus.
0: A big thanks to Melvin for making time to speak with Nathan and Toby. Next, we will hear from Sam Darlaston, KISS radio presenter and a regular continuity voice on Channel 4 and E4. Nathan and Toby managed to persuade Sam to join them live in the studio and they asked him how it felt to be back at Radiolab.
4: Obviously the last time I was here was like 2015 I think um, and it's kind of weird but kind of the same, like the chairs are still the same um, the walls are still the same um, it is really really fun though just to be in the in the studio and just, like remember all the fun times I had with my Uh, co-host Kieran when we used to host the Friday Fling back in the day when we were students here we used to have a little uh, drive time Friday show Um, so yeah it's fun to just be back in the mix
3: yeah, I mean, considering all all of the all of the things that you've gone on to do, and all of the regular radio shows you've been doing at much bigger stations than this, let's be honest.
2: <laughs> um, what roles did you do here, at Radio Lab? So you talked a little bit about presenting, but did yeah. you do any like behind the scenes type of roles here, or was it just presenting?
3: Just
4: presenting. Um, obviously, like we run the desk and stuff ourselves, which has come really handy. Like, cause obviously, I now host uh, Weekend Breakfast on Kiss FM, um, and doing this and learning the desk and all that sort of stuff from scratch. You're just sort of thrown in at the deep end and I don't think there's anywhere else that trains you like student radio because even the radio unit yeah it's great and you learn loads of different things and different sides to it but there's, to be a presenter I feel like actually getting involved with student radio is huge because you really are just chucked in and they're like right you're pressing this button this song will play you're doing this and you make all your mistakes and it's like okay good I've made so many, I mean don't get me wrong I've still made many at KISS um, but you know like it just sort of it braces you for the fact that you could make mistakes and it will happen and it's just great it's always fun
3: the lectures do teach you a lot of things but it's the it's the experience you get from actually doing shows at the radio station that that teaches you enough and 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 sort of prepares you
4: absolutely man Yeah. yeah
2: yeah that's the thing with radio it's about getting miles on the clock yeah, exactly. exactly. and that's what it's this what doing really shows. is in, the, in this type of environment. That's what you get, yeah, and it is amazing for doing that. Sam, obviously, you talked about the type of roles there you did mm-hmm. at Radio Lab. Do you have, though, a favorite memory you have? I do,
4: I Radio have a Lab? couple, I'd forgotten them all to be honest. I forgot how much fun me and my uh, co host Kieran used to have. So, we used to do a thing. There was another guy, Josh, that used to sort of sit in on the shows here and there, and he used to like do like a Looking for Love plea, like after nights out, which was always really funny. It's all stuff that you wouldn't be able to do on like real radio, which was amazing because it was like, you know, when you just sort of do this, these things that only exist on student radio, like people that were listening were also people that were on that night out the night before, yeah. and it was just amazing. So he used to do that, and then we also did like a Christmas and an Easter special. I think the Christmas one, we like read bits of the Nativity and then played songs that suited with it, and we had our mates in from our course and it was just like really fun last day of term yeah it was amazing
2: oh, can't go wrong See, that's the like classic student radio classic features you, you like, I'm not going to read the nativity
4: those. on Kiss. I mean there's only one place i can no, going to be able to do can that you never get away with that <laughs> over there that's
3: for yes. sure <laughs> student radio is, is so different mm. unique. Uh, but, but in yeah mm. I mean it's like it's the place to to try new ideas and exactly just, that yeah, mate yeah, yeah exactly um, so so what would you say i mean i mean we obviously know that you've had some some fun memories at the station but Mm -hmm. what would you say was your worst moment at radio lab
4: oh i don't know actually i guess probably because it used to be on a friday um and even though you know you think oh friday great we used to like thursdays were a big day back then there was a a bar called the park which we used to go to which then became the su they used to do like one pound pints so like the next it was always our show would be on a friday so quite often We would have a sore head, so it'd be a bit tiring. (laughs) You know, it is always quite warm in radio studios as well. You just feel like you're watching the the clock tick a little bit sometimes. But no, there was no real downside to it. Like we did, we did just the right amount to have an amazing time.
3: After you finished university, uh, what what, what did you do?
4: So I, um, while I was still here, still in Luton, I got a role on Kiss Fresh, which is a new music station from the Kiss Network. Um, I did that for like three years, then moved across to the main station, did the late show, and then moved across to weekend afternoons with my co-host Omar, and now we've got the breakfast show on the weekends, which is like huge. We absolutely love it. It's full of like games and just like a real a, a good vibe show to wake people up 8 till 11 a.m. Saturday and Sunday, so you know. Um, and then, yeah, <laughs> nice. I, also, I also now do the voiceover for Channel 4 and E4, so I do all of that in a week, which is fun.
2: Could you tell me a little bit about the journey then you came from when you did uh, apply for Kiss Fresh? Could you tell me about the whole process of everything and, like, how it was for you?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I entered a competition called the Kiss Chosen One, which is, like, a nationwide presenter search. They've only done it a couple of times since. Um, So it was, yeah, nationwide presenter search. I just sent in a video because my housemates, like, everyone... I used to be on a course called Media Performance. Shout out to Media Performance. Um, and basically, everyone was applying. We'd got, like, I think our lecturer had told us an email or something. She was like, oh, send this off. Didn't really think much of it because there was live auditions up and down the UK as well at Westfields and loads of malls. Um, and then I just sent in a video, literally at the time. I had a hamster called Norris that was a bit of a uni legend. Everyone used yeah. to like come back after nights out and see him. R.I.P. Um, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, I just decided to do literally. Uh, a video of me interviewing him I remember doing it and thinking what have I just done and then I sent it off at like five minutes before the deadline because I just honestly didn't think anything of it didn't think I'd win my mates had put so much effort in and used like proper cameras and all that I did it on my phone um, and then I got a call when I was on my way to work at the time just saying hi Sam uh, congratulations you've made it to the top 20 that was like kiss drive time at the time which was Michael and Andrea and I was like I don't know if that's actually legit or not. Like, I couldn't work out whether, I don't know, like, my, my brother's winding me up or something. I just had no idea. Um, and then, yeah, it was true. Got an email to confirm, and then I'd made the top 20, and then you turn up on the day at the, like, the towers where we, we are. Not even a tower, a building. building. Um, and you do, like, a few tests to see how you look on air, how you sound on air, how you look, sorry, on camera, how you sound on air, um, your interview techniques, and one other thing. And then you just get put off in like these little groups and you do all that. and then at the end of the day, it was proper X Factor style. They put us in like groups of five oh. in different different floors of the building. Um, and then the boss at the time like walked around and then told everyone whether they'd got through or not, and then it's the top five. And he came to us and I was convinced like I, I remember me and my entire group that were there because some of the people that were there on the day were like much older than me, much much more experienced, like real people that you'd imagine to be presenters if you know what I mean Um, and me and my group I remember we all looked at each other and went "Um, it's not us, is it like we literally like come on like this isn't the winning group then they came in and said we'd made it to the top five and it was just like it was chaos and then from there on we had to make um, a video each that was like three minutes long saying why we should be the kiss chosen one but I did why I shouldn't be and they all did like why why they should be and like some of them went backstage at the Brits. Some of them did like loads of like cool stuff, and I just did all the things I'm bad at. Um, and then I <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, "What?" It was just I was almost like I took the mic the entire time, but somehow managed to win it. And then I won a three month contract on Kiss Fresh, and then from there it's just sort of like just developed into obviously Kiss Weekend Breakfast now.
2: Yeah, and I was going to ask how are you finding Kiss Weekend Breakfast? How is also now being also in a duo instead of just presenting? I Love, on the love being
4: in a duo. Like as I say, I was in a duo here um and i love being on my own as well don't get me wrong and all that but with a duo our show now has a lot more sort of like producer input and it has more there's more you can do i think with a duo and games and things like that and omar my co-host is just like i just find him hilarious like we just get on so so well and i think that's super important with the duo not to force it not to be like right me and you should be together on this because we're here and that's what we should do it should be if you authentically get on then you should be you should just do it if, if it's like your chat that you'd have in a kitchen like a lot of our content comes just from us hanging out and chatting and then we're like oh well, this could be like a game or this could be this um, yeah I'm absolutely loving yeah. being in a duo
2: One thing as well I've noticed what you do, and I think it's really good what you do is on social media, what you use on Instagram, is Uh that prompting questions to your followers and then using that as content for your show. How important, mate, do you say social media is for radio shows now?
4: It is really important to be honest. Like, don't get me wrong, I know there's like pitfalls and stuff with social media, but um, it is super important to make sure that your profile is showing your sort of highlights in this industry and things and you can use it for positive as well so like I use mine quite often to get callers or get voice notes or whatever we need for the show ask I as you said like I ask questions on it and people usually give me answers or like give me suggestions of things like times that you've been scammed and someone's like oh I was in m and this happened and it, like you know like this sort of thing it just gives you stories that you you know you can use then and have them in early ready for the show at the weekend so yeah, yeah, yeah. it is important yeah,
2: definitely definitely a really good thing to do mm. I right, don't blame and I think we're, we're I think definitely something I think we've all learned at Radio Lab is something to do that and we're posting on social media Instagram, putting yeah. questions up. Because every student's got a story in that student hall. Oh my God, exactly. Yeah. Students have the best stories. Yeah, yeah, percent yeah, Always
3: make the most of it. So how did working at Radio Lab help you get to that position where you are today?
4: I think it just sort of, it, it didn't help me get the role as such, um, but it helped me once I was live on air, not mess up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, because I was already training to be a presenter um, in a way, because I was doing media performance. I did presenting as my special project. Um, but that was more TV-based at first, and then Radio Lab was my only experience of radio. But rather than it saying, like, it helped me get my job, because obviously my job came quite an authentic, like, weird way, it helped me that when they took the stabilisers off and they just put me on air, I was like, okay. Like, I knew I was going to mess up, but, like, I had that little bit of, I know how close to go to the mic, I know which kind of, which one puts the fader up, do you know what I mean? Like, all this kind of thing. So it helped me with that for sure.
0: That was a clip of Sam Darlaston in the Radiolab studio who gave Nathan and Toby fantastic support whilst he visited the station, especially as they had been broadcasting for over 16 hours at that point. Next we will hear from ITV Anglia newsreader Becky Jago. If she hadn't gone through clearing at the University of Bedfordshire, joining the media performance course, we would have never had her grace the airwaves in what was her final year, our first year, 1997. Becky was keen to highlight how time has flown since then.
5: 25 years ago is a long time. It doesn't feel like that, I have to say. It feels like about five years ago. But knowing you guys are in, you know, the studio that I was in all that time. I mean, I left Luton Uni, as it was then, um, in 97. So, you know, my God, I'm ancient. It's official. I'm ancient.
2: You're not. No, never have the mindset of that. Um, Becky, may I ask, so what did you do here at the University of Bedfordshire? And also, did you like many roles as well at Luton FM when it started? Well, I was
5: on um, a course called Media Performance. I'm not sure if it still exists. Um, It it was the very first year. Really, it does. That's brilliant Um, because it was very successful. We were the guinea pigs. So there weren't very many of us, maybe 20 odd in the whole Media Performance course. And we had a great time. It was very hands on. Um, I wanted to be an actress. So that for me was was going to be my path in, and I just loved the radio part of it. I absolutely, it was Janie Gordon, and she just made it come alive for me. And uh, I, and that's what I focus on for, for for the majority of my time there, actually, or well, the second and third year, anyway. Yeah, I, it was way. I mean the kit that you will have there now is nothing <laughs> like what we were working on. When I used to go out and interview people, I've come back with reels, like proper physical reels, which I had to splice, you know, cut with a knife and stick together with tape. And um, God, that's making me sound really old. But yeah, it was done differently. But the idea was to give us as much practical experience before we went out into the big wide world. And it meant that we did get a lot of it. And it meant that Almost everyone who I've stayed in contact with, in fact, everyone I've stayed in contact with from that course, went almost straight into a job within the media industry and one that they've stayed in. So, yeah, so it was a, it was a fantastic course. And, um, you know, part, part of it was... W- we're, was the sort of thing that you're doing now you know Luton FM as it was was it was new it even got on Anglia News the funny thing is they came to film um with us in the studio and I was so excited I was going to be on TV I even phoned my parents who lived in Suffolk I said you've got to watch the TV tonight I'm going to be on it but of course ITV uh, Anglia does it's split into two regions and they were watching the wrong regions so they couldn't understand oh, why and no. I didn't understand why they couldn't see me but yeah it was fun memories and it was the first time I'd ever been in a, a radio station, and. You know, and my first job out of university, apart from being a checkout girl at ASDA, was in a radio station, and it just meant that I wasn't afraid. You know, we had we'd had experience, we knew a little bit about what we were talking about. We'd had, um, yeah, some real life, proper experience, not just in the lecture theatre. You know, and it made all the difference.
3: We've we've been on the TV here too as well, haven't we? We had BBC Look East in the uh, in the the studio earlier earlier this year, and you were interviewed for that.
2: Yeah, I did the same as you, Becky. Actually, I phoned my parents and going, "I'm on the TV." (laughs) I did exactly that. Do I was just thinking that it's like, wow, I did the exact same thing. Yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. Very exciting. Um,
3: What would you say? Becky, was your favourite memory of being at Luton FM? Do
2: you know what? It was the buzz
5: around it all starting. It was something new. It was equipment we'd never seen before, never used before. And I should say now that there were people that had a lot more to do with it than I did. I was like um, an onlooker almost. I was I was involved, but you know there were there were people around me who really spent a lot of time there, and and the passion really shone through. So. Um, yeah, I think for me that the best bit was just knowing it was it was happening, and then that first time that it was all on air, and really feel feeling like not wanting to sound patronising, but like we were adults, we were doing something that was exciting and proper, not just school kids anymore. You know, so um, yeah, there was a real real buzz around it
2: goodbye do you have a swell though from the opposite side like a worse moment when you were here at Luton FM or during Mm -hmm. your course when you're at uni is there a moment where you always stand out going oh my god I can't believe that happened but I'll always learn from that mistake
5: not on air and not that I can recall as I say it wasn't really I was I wasn't actually a presenter um but I do remember around the studio and when I was editing and I, I my, my dissertation was, um, I, I did a radio documentary about violence in the media actually. And I decided as a proper journalist, I was gonna go out and I was gonna interview all these amazing people. And I got these great interviews. And I sat down and these poor people, I interviewed them for hours, hours and hours. And, and when I got back with my reels, I realised that that was going to take me weeks to work through. And that was my punishment, you know. So it was just little lessons like that. But as, as far as total disasters, there, there were none. I don't think I was there quite long enough for there to be, think, but it was all, all positive.
3: What did you do after finishing university?
5: Well, as... As I mentioned, I went straight into my job at ASDA in Stone Market, <laughs> and uh, just to I don't, well, actually, I didn't. I went to Japan for a few months and paid off some student debts, and then I then I went to ASDA, and then I a friend of mine, Melissa Jobson, who was on the course as well with me, she said there's a radio station's just opened up. It's only twenty minutes, half an hour down the road from where I was living back at my parents. Why don't you get, phone them up? Here's a number, and it was Vibe FM. That is, I don't know, you're probably way too young to remember, that was a dance music station for the East of England It turned into Kiss FM, um, and it still is. And so I phoned them up and got some work experience, and within two days I was reading travel bulletins, and that's, that's in the end, it took me a long time, but a good six months of work experience and doing that sort of thing, and, and then um, I got offered a role there, so that's, and I was there for two years, so... That's what I did then. And then I went to Anglia as the weather girl and then news around in uh, London for a couple of years and then Capital Radio. So back to radio. And that was fantastic. I just didn't realize how much I loved it. You know, you have so much freedom on a radio station, freedom to make mistakes as well. But, you know, as long as they're not too disastrous, they're the best. bits. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> you know? yeah. And you can have a personality and it's just it's not as restrictive as television is. Yeah, and then from Capital a bit of freelancing and back to Anglia. And I've been doing the job newsreading now for um, I don't know, 15 years or something, 14 years. There you go. <laughs> in a nutshell.
2: How did working, Becky, around Luton FM and also for being at the university helped you to get where you are today?
5: Do you know it's funny because media courses went there was a lot of stick about media. There's sort of a bit of a snobbery, I think, at the time in the 90s, mid-90s, and I, I didn't really understand that because I just thought, you know, I want to work in, in, in the media industry. So why would I not do a media course? And there was a bit of a, well, it's not a proper course, is it? All that sort of Mickey Mouse stuff and rah, rah, rah. And, um, and I, I just didn't understand that. So I, I just thought, do you know what, I'm just going to go for it. And it, it, was, it was fantastic because it just meant that it was such a practical course. It was so hands on. Um, and I mean, we even did a day when a newsreader came in to to allow us to read the auto cue, and i remember he said to me at the end i can't remember who it was it was was someone someone from bbc maybe and he said oh you could do that if you wanted to you know and and that was funny for me because there's absolutely no way i was ever going to be a newsreader but that's my point there must have sown a little seed somewhere you know and who knows I you know why be restrictive why I wasn't I wasn't ever going to be an actress unless I change now in my mid-40s you know and become an actress but but it turned out I was going to be a newsreader and perhaps I've got that day at, at, at Luton to thank for that you know but yeah so I I have a lot a lot to be um thankful for it was a fantastic three years I just loved it it's maybe the best time of my life
0: That was Becky Jago, the ITV Anglia newsreader who graduated from the university in the year Luton FM began, 1997. Next, Dan Pryor, who's featured on a previous episode of Fantastic Noise, talking about station sound. He's currently the station sound producer for Absolute Radio and has mountains of experience in that area of radio production. He was a student manager of Luton FM in 2005. So Nathan and Toby asked him what his memories were of making radio at the University of Bedfordshire.
6: Well, it was pretty mainstream pop the first two years that the the station manager So my first show I did with uh, uh, my flatmate, Alex. Uh, We had just a regular, we got given the drive time slot. So we had it Thursday and Friday. We did uh, drive with Alex and Dan. We did that for the first two years. And then in the third year, because I was one of the managers and I think Alex had to, you know, third year is a bit more hectic and she wasn't studying radio she hadn't chosen it as a minor uh so in the third year oh god i probably was on like three days a week on drive because i probably would have <laughs> egotistically given it to myself and uh with one of the other management jade and uh i also had like an hour saturday show in the evenings trying to play alternative music but I kind of really instantly regretted that because I just had a lot going on. I was doing, obviously, Luton FM. That was quite busy and uh, doing my dissertation and I had freelance at uh, BBC Free Counties. So it just, uh, I, I should have just stuck to the free, day, free show uh, a week situation. But that was, again, the third year we went more alternative uh, music in the daytime hours. Uh, we were quite uh, into XFM and... Um, so, yeah, we wanted to do something a bit different to the previous two years to give the people that were going to grade us sort of something. So there was different to what we'd done before, had been done before.
2: When you were doing that drive time show or any radio show at Luton FM, is there like a certain feature or a certain moment when you were there? What stands out for you? Oh, we had some
6: really bad features. It's, I, I'm sure you guys were a lot more polished these days. But um, back then, now you're a award-winning station. We hadn't won any... Student Radio Awards. I don't think we'd even been nominated for any, and certainly in my time, I don't know if there ever was before before me. Even honestly, they were like eight minute links in a situation where now you should be doing like two or three minute link. They were very, uh, very long. Uh, so yeah, I, there was some terrible blind date thing where I did like impressions of three different random people, and then someone had to ring in and guess or texting because we had like a Nokia to text in. That was pretty much the only interaction for listeners. Uh, and guess who the people were? And they could win like a £10 Chicago's voucher or something. That was pretty bad feature. Uh, it was enjoyable at the time. Like the worst stuff, I think Alex read the horoscopes. You know, like, I mean, that's some lazy, lazy radio. Uh, not in like a serious way, but just gave us a little paragraph from like the Metro or whatever we had. God, I really can't remember much of the features. I remember we we had plenty of production beds. We had beds. That was the one thing I remember I bought to the table was that I'd Pill with a lot of uh, music by various means because that was back in the Napster era. Yes, we had some nice production beds and honestly, we probably just waffled. I bet we didn't even prep. We had about five lines of what the show was going to be about and just tried to wing it. But I had a lot of fun and no one ever gave us any grief. So in terms of features, that's what we had. Amazing, we didn't win any awards.
2: So you're talking about, yeah, like with features, but was there like a worse moment, what stands out, where something like really went wrong on air at all? Like, you know, there's some people always have some like horror stories from student radio. Do you have one? Uh,
6: unfortunately, yeah. But I mean, on the plus side, it was pretty early doors. So, uh, I mean, when I went to to, to audition for a home, I didn't even want to do the, the on-air stuff. I didn't have the confidence to do it. So I wanted to just, I was like, oh, I'll drive a desk, I'll produce some stuff. And then the management at the time, which would have been a part of, Matt Fisher, who... I've worked with since, he uh, and their team were like, no, 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 everyone's got to, you know, if you're going to do anything, you kind of got to be on it, even if you're on like as a sidekick or on as whatever. So I'd been coerced into auditioning and then I just ended up uh, having my co-host be the person that I sort of live with, Alex, who didn't really do radio even, and somehow land uh, drive time on this Monday and Tuesday or th- Friday and Thursday, whatever it was, two days a week. And uh, on the first show, I don't know if it's the same room. Where are you guys now? Are you George Street or? Uh,
2: Vicarage Street now. Is that the
6: main campus? The main campus. Yeah, yeah I think it might still be the same building. I can, the, the woodwork doesn't look dissimilar. I was in there and I was absolutely bricking it. And I was on the on the tech op as well as main presenter. I sat next to Alex. She was a bundle of nerves, so she didn't help me settle my nerves one jot. And I mean, we were probably lucky if... This was on FM, so it was on an FM licence for one month, my first show. Uh, and we're lucky if there's probably really 20 people listening, but at the time, it felt like, you know, you're presenting in the Oscars or something. It just felt like there was a whole tonne of people listening. So it was just enormous pressure on myself. Uh, so I remember the, the link. Uh, so I just said something along the lines of, you know, welcome to the FM, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this is Alex and Dan. And I said... And if there's a God, this is Justin Timberlake and press the button and nothing happened. And then I pressed it again and nothing happened. And it legitimately felt like half an hour had passed of dead air and, and there's no wit thing to say. and be like, oh, ha ha, probably knocked the mics down at the time. And then there was just like, stomp, 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 stomp. And a producer, because we had some, some, one of the for the first shows we had, a, one of the management team was always around. This fellow around, I think his name was Jonathan, came in, bombed in front of us and just hit whatever the right button was or whatever the fade was, whatever I hadn't done and and played. I think it was crime or whatever because it was such an edgy station at the time. But that was uh, what was being what was popular at the time. I suppose better to get out of the way early doors and say stuff up. But I don't know what I don't even know. God knows what that was. But I haven't had it since, really, thankfully. But um, that was a bad situation. After you finished university, what did you go on to do? Went to the pub uh, to <laughs> celebrate. Uh, no, what was I was doing? I was I stayed in Luton because uh, I lived up the road, uh, not far from that clock tower, in a place called Leeds House. I was freelancing at bbc free counties because in my final year in the first two years i was at uh, what is probably a heart now but it was a children fm it was like gwr station i used to do sort of street team stuff but i never really was doing anything to do with radio i was just kind of flyering and doing stuff like that. But it was good to be part of it and you're getting paid for it and so i was doing that but then in the last year in january of the last year i've got two weeks work experience at free counties that went well that led to me sort of being able to do some tech op in uh, which was starting off as voluntary but It worked its way into being paid and in about two weeks in the two weeks of Luton FM actually in my dissertation final two weeks we were given two weeks full-time production imaging work because someone was off and I couldn't not say yes to it because a it was you know a lot of money at the time for compared to what I was you know getting doing part-time stuff and b it was like a really good opportunity I knew if I did that well leave it to more work Um, and saying no in your early days in radio is not always a a great manoeuvre. So, yeah, I so anyway, that led to more freelance, more freelance. So I was doing maybe 20, 30 hours a week. So I was kind of not doing, earning enough quite to have full-time hours, but that's what I went on to do. Uh, I was at three counties. And then December after that was basically the big move was about Chris. Uh, in late autumn, I started doing some freelance at XFM because Matt had gone to XFM. And then he had Carl Pilkinson as head of production, who you know went on to be kind of famous-ish with Gervais and that. He was head of production at XFM. He went and had to do jury service, so I was cover while he was away. Then when he came back, he gave notice uh, because he was going to do the podcasts for the first time with with Ricky and Steve, uh, and they'd all left XFM by then. So that's how I got in. I felt kind of quite guilty a little bit about getting in for, for a while that kind of um like you, you sort of have, have snuck in through knowing someone and that kind of thing but it actually transpires that is how most people get in sooner or later there's always someone who's given you a leg up somewhere along the way who's gonna help train you or you know like it became quite apparent quite quickly actually don't worry about it it's kind of how it goes but I obviously recognize that was probably quite a big move that was pretty good to get that that one person to give you that leg up at that moment so without that I suspect and I loved being at Free Counties I think they got great output and uh, I really enjoyed my time there but XFM was my station that's like joining your football team that was my station at the time Um, so that's before I even thought about getting to radio was what I listened to so it was a massive jump so that's where I went to do station imaging sorry so specializing in station imaging I produced the weekend show sometimes but uh to do station imaging whereas at free counties I've been doing a bit of everything but tech a bit of on mic bit not presenting but off you know studio broadcast assistant kind of yapping during a show and some imaging so but then when I went to XFM it's just specialized into
3: imaging. How did working at Luton FM help you get to where you are today?
6: That was the first live studio experience I'd ever had as I say like uh when I was at three counties I started doing stuff there but that wasn't until my last year so by then I'd already done a couple of months of Luton FM first two RSLs so I think one of the main thing was it fed an enthusiasm that I didn't necessarily know I had when I started at uni I didn't have a mind and I sort of did a bit of everything I dabbled I did animation I did um, journalism I think it was tvs film and I did radio and then radio was one that kind of interested me the most and I was enjoying some of the nerdy aspects of editing and stuff like that But it was only, I think, when I started doing Luton FM that um, I really kind of, it's much more of an addiction uh, and much more of a kind of meeting people that were like mind and felt like I'd kind of found my tribe a little bit. Um, You know, we had commercial promotions. We had a deal with, I don't know if it's still there now, the screen bar, the park that used to be just down the road. And we had other kind of commercial sponsorships and partnerships, not mega bucks, but stuff like that, stuff like, you know, knocking out the T-shirts. We had an awards. We had. Uh, stuff where we had like sponsorship and and, and raising money that kind of thing getting people involved so um, there was all sorts of ways that it was handy there's no real specifically if I hadn't done this then I wouldn't do that but I think the main one was that it fed my interest in radio a lot more than even the classes had done and it was then I'd say oh yeah I do want to do that as my minor going into year two and three obviously networking I met people met Matt and there's still some people I only met through Luton FM that I'm still friends with today
0: Dan Pryor there, who graduated in 2005. During Nathan and Toby's 25 hours on air to celebrate 25 years of the station, they also spoke to graduates they knew from their own time at university. Megan Murphy graduated in 2021 and is now working for ITV News. She reflected on her more recent, and more COVID-19 affected, time as a Radiolab student manager.
7: I feel like I've lost track of time now, but what was that, September 2020 kind of time I took on the role as radio lab manager. And we thought, oh, COVID's kind of dying out now. We're going to go back to normal life. We'll be back on campus. I think I was on campus for maybe two weeks of my final year. And they went, nah, we're going to close this. It's closing down. So I had to do the whole job remotely and because of border restrictions back home in Jersey I had to fly back home and I did it all from my bedroom which is a very unique experience and at times very difficult to control a radio station when you're hundreds of miles away but it's we got there it was an enjoyable and definitely allowed us to learn some industry level experience because the industry was learning to cope the exact same way.
2: So what was the certain like type of roles you did while you were here at Radio Lab last year?
7: So There was three of us last year and we kind of did share out all the roles, really. But I kind of throughout my degree, I always kind of had a passion for news and I really enjoyed that. So I took more of a news angle and bringing more news content to the station. And I set up the uh, fortnightly show of Bed's Bulletin and I worked with the university's press team and we would put out um, an hour show um every two weeks and we talked to loads of different guests about what's going on in the uni what's going on in local community and kind of bridging that gap really which was really fun so we got to do that but then you've also got the nitty-gritty stuff just managing the station making sure people turn up for their shows training people managing social media so there was loads of different things we got to do and to be honest when you're in lockdown you don't have a lot of stuff to do it was a great way to kill boredom
3: (laughs) I know, I know it was obviously a very weird year to be managing the station, but what was your favourite memory of that year at Radio Lab?
7: Oh, that's a tough one. I'd probably say favourite. I Maybe, yeah, you, I'd probably describe it as favourite, but it was the first show I managed to put out live from my home here in Jersey. Just being able to have that go out, people to hear it, people to interact on social media with it and go, oh, I can hear you. And you're just like, this is utterly mind-blowing that I'm hundreds of miles away and people are hearing me through the station. The programmes and um, all the stuff that we use to get on air remotely during COVID, it blew my mind because it's just so cool how it works because that's just something you just don't ever think of being able to do. But it was it was an amazing experience to get that first show off on the air and after that it just became like second nature. It felt weird when I went back into a studio again. I was like, oh. Doesn't feel right.
2: (laughs) I know. After like doing radio shows in pyjamas to then actually having to come back in and actually feel like you're at work all over again. It was, it is a weird, it's a weird experience. Talking then about your favourite memory, Megan, have you had like a worst moment while you were here at Radio Lab? Is there a moment where always will stick out to you going, oh my God, I can't believe that just happened.
7: I'm not sure about worst moment, but I'd probably say most stressful moment um, for me was Um, the Duke of Edinburgh actually passed away when we were managers and at the time I was here in Jersey and we had a lot less restrictions than the UK so I was going out and about doing my day-to-day bits after doing some work in the morning I'm in the gym I get a text from Terry the Duke of Edinburgh has died and I've gone oh my god so I, I just remember this frantic like this wave of panic hitting me and I'm just like I need to change everything. I need to make sure that the music's right and literally running home to log into my computer to get everything sorted out. And we managed to get everything on air and get Obits live into the program very, very quickly. But it was definitely a very stressful moment. But looking back, like... The team nailed that and we did really, really well to get that done so quickly, but definitely came as a as a surprise. When I woke up that morning, I did not expect to be doing that when I'm halfway through a gym session, but we got there.
2: Radio Lab, 25-hour show. Radio Lab, 25-hour show. After
3: you finished university, obviously you've now ended up at ITV. How did that happen?
7: I had a bit of a... Um, crisis point (laughs) as they were finishing uni we're still dealing with the pandemic and I'm very much a a type of person I like to plan I like to know where I'm going I like to know future plans and I kind of was getting to the end of uni and a lot of I knew I wanted to come back home and live here um, for the foreseeable and not many people were hiring and I was like oh I just need a job I just need money do I put radio on the back burner and broadcasting and just get a job that's going to give me money and it was a big moral dilemma with that which I ended up surprisingly getting a finance job I had all the paperwork and the uh, contract signed ready to start and one day I just woke up and I was like no no can't do this I can't sell my soul to the finance industry just yet I need to like try my utmost hardest to get this and I gave myself a timeline I said a year. I have a year to try and get into this industry. And if I don't, then I just, I get a job and I suck it up. And I'll, if the opportunity comes, it comes. So I applied for a few jobs, didn't get them because I didn't have the experience under my belt. So I s- decided I'm coming in. it's the summer. I don't have too much work on my plate at the moment. I'm going to start freelancing. So I freelanced for one of our local commercial radio stations so it was very similar to kind of radio lab in that sense of that it was very community based because we're a small island so I helped on the news desk there and helped with the bulletins and the web design and web articles for them and alongside that I also was a freelance writer for the local newspaper so I got to get my name and build some connections there and it was those stories that allowed me to the experience that when I applied for the ITV News traineeship it kind of sparked interest and people were like oh that's kind of cool that's kind of cool and it gave me the opportunity I would talk to the journalists in the local newsroom here and went through the process and beginning of November I got the call that I was going to be starting I wasn't going to be starting until January but they they wanted me in a bit earlier so I have been there now since the middle of november 2021 so 6 months down the line and absolutely loving it
2: um how did working here at radio lab help you to get where you are today
7: i i would definitely not be where i am today without radio lab 100% especially final year you have so much creative freedom to kind of do what you want and as part like my degree was radio and audio so it's very audio only based learning production techniques and how to edit and things like that and it really wasn't anything to do with news which is where my interest was so that final year I had the freedom to go do you know what I'm going to teach myself the ropes going my- to show try and figure this out what I'm doing create news radio shows and I'm going to use that to get where I want to be so having that creative freedom was completely invaluable like I wouldn't have been I, I wouldn't be here today with this job unless I was able to use my skills to make beds bulletin make those mistakes too which was really crucial to do was you you don't learn without making mistakes which at times I used to get very upset when I would mess things up but looking back like it's you just need it needs to happen because there's no other way to learn so the creative freedom that's like the utmost like It's just, it was just, it's just great. It's just great. (laughs) Recent graduate
0: Megan Murphy there. Next we will hear from Kelly Betts, the editor of BBC Introducing. As you will hear, she believes her experiences with Luton FM laid the foundations for her successful radio career. Nathan and Toby started by asking her what sorts of roles she did at the radio station whilst she was a student.
8: I did presenting and I did news reading as well. Loved it. Okay, so it really was a
2: mixture of presenting a news reading. You see, Luton FM, you, said, you had news in, back in the day in Luton FM.
8: We did that, we did ourselves. We compiled it ourselves and read it out on air. Yeah.
2: So, what would you say was your favourite memory
3: of being at Luton FM?
8: I loved the people that I was learning with. They were great. The teachers were amazing and really helped me as well. But I especially loved that first moment of being on air because I hadn't ever really done that before and that was really really cool and our show was a hangover show it was 10 a.m on a Thursday and I used to run around the student union the night before setting everyone's alarms to tune in and wake up and listen to us and we would play the songs that the DJ had played the night before and we would talk about anything that happened. Like we would say, oh, did you see that boy that fell over to this song? Spoke to him afterwards, he's fine. But here's a song, shout out to him. It'd be like, it would really reflect the night before. And that was the highlight because I just loved, I loved doing that.
2: The proper student radio show sound where every student can relate to. Now talking from your favourite. Memory. Do you have like a worst moment of memory while you were Mm. broadcasting on Luton FM, which you experience and then you know, right, I'll never try and do that again?
8: I don't think I really had any really bad moments while I was there. I made a lot of mistakes, which meant I learned a lot, but I wouldn't say there was any really bad moments. There were moments where I left the mic up and carried on talking. There were moments where we used to play it on CD, so there were moments where it was the wrong CD or the CD jumped. But you learn to just roll with the punches, and you learn how to have fun around those those moments and not to take them too seriously. Um, so I didn't really have any bad times I loved it all so I'd come back any day
2: well I mean you're more than welcome to (laughs) got that now on record Uh, as well (laughs) you to that one you are more than welcome (laughs) to come back in whenever you want so Kelly what did you do
3: when you finished university
8: so in my last year of uni I um, applied to all the different radio stations that I love listening to all the ones surrounding the area and also the ones in London as well And that included three counties radio and they got back to me. I I had to, I had to pester, I can't lie. And I do recommend that that's what people do. And three counties got back to me and I managed to get myself one week work experience with them. And I loved it so much that I actually, I stayed there for nine years. It was brilliant. I loved it. I had the best time. Again, I when I was there for that one week's work experience, I learned everything that they did. So I learned how to drive their desk. I learned how they made trails. I learned the structure of all their programs. So that on my final day of work experience, I had said, I know how to do all this stuff now if you need me. They did. They did need me in the end, which is great. So I stayed there for a while. I'm pretty sure I out, well outstayed my welcome, but it was fine.
2: Kelly, how did working at Luton FM help you get to where you are today
8: it helped me so much it helped me build my confidence not just on air but just in the studio it helped it really like laid the foundations for what I went on to do without Luton FM I would not be in the job that I am in so I'm currently the editor of BBC introducing I would not be here if it wasn't for Luton FM because I learned so much while I was there. From yeah, desk driving, from how to behave on air, from even just the contacts around you and making making those friendships have all really helped led me to where I am now. Especially learning the music scene and getting to know all the bands and going to all the gigs is a huge part of my life still. So Yeah, I owe so much to Luton FM. Love it. Love that place.
2: And everyone here at the radio station at University of Bedfordshire, obviously massive congratulations to where you are now. We're all really, really proud of you.
8: Thank you. That means a lot. Thank you.
0: Next, we are heading back to the first group who made radio at the station, back to 1997. TV producer Sid Cole and BBC Three Counties Radio's Toby Friedner spoke with Nathan and Toby reminiscing about those early days of Luton FM. We'll hear from Sid first, who was keen to congratulate the station for still being active after twenty-five years.
9: I I just sort of can't believe that the timing, you know. And I congratulate everybody who has kept the funding going, the uh, license active, and for the sense of what you're achieving and and, and pushing to to do uh, down there. You know, I have huge affection for my time in Bedfordshire. I now work all over the country doing various things. Those university relationships, that bond is eternal because that's when you define who you are. You go to university confident that you know who you are. You sort of go, all right, mom, dad, I'm off off to university and I'm going to do this course. And you're pretty self-assured that it'll just be three years of your life you know you you go through freshers the the first and second you start to redefine you start to sort of work out you know your friendships what is drawing you it's time to sort of really grow up and then before you know it you know I'm not patronizing you I'm saying that sense of that you suddenly define a little bit more because you're facing stark choices about what you're going to do for various options and things and that's where really you start to put the footprints for the rest of your life right there
10: absolutely it's defining you know it, it's the basis on which the rest of your adult life is is built um, but nathan and toby what sort of questions did you have for us you know as aspiring journalists people wanting to work in radio what did you want to know that we haven't said yet
2: All my questions are really are just reflecting on your time like the first question was so you guys were started with luton fm and just really to talk about the start of it first and we'll go into more we'll go
9: on for like a bit of a journey I have an immediate anecdote if I can go first oh please do which which I I mean I remember with uh, dear Janie Gordon who was our lecturer at the time who had come to join us she'd worked at Bush House she'd worked in the BBC she'd done a lot of the stuff that we knew we wanted to then go on to do I remember going to Electrolux I don't even know if Electrolux still exists in Luton anymore, um, and having a meeting with these senior folks. And that was that was a great moment where we were saying, we would like some sponsorship, please, for this studio, a restricted service licence uh, radio station, as Toby says, Luton FM back there. And then they wrote out a cheque, and then we went to Vauxhall. And, and actually, we had to start by finding the, the mechanics and the ability to afford this, apply for it, get the support of the Chancellor and everybody on site. And I remember... The first lessons were about the infrastructure that, that, you know, you think about sort of uh, journalism and radio TV is all about what people see at home. But, you know, from this course, from what you're doing, from being at this university, it's about keeping everything that goes on behind away from the audience. And it it all comes down to kind of getting ready for for, for that live moment, doesn't it? And, And that's kind of that's what I remember thinking about, that there was a launch date. We'd had the local press in. Uh, and quite why, right, Toby. Maybe you can remember this. I said at the end of the photo, why don't we put our uh frequency stickers across our faces? And that's the paper they that's the one they ran on the paper. <laughs> I don't remember that you don't know, remember oh my we've god we've all got like was it 105.7 or something what was the frequency i don't know oh it's
10: something like that it's yeah. something I mean, like we're, that we're talking
9: fm and kind of way down the bandwidth
3: oh, i mean you mentioned janie gordon there. we're actually going to be talking to her god you
9: he send <laughs> janie our very best and say that we were speaking in, in warm and affectionate terms about it because actually janie did steer as very wisely you know and at times you can imagine toby and i were cheeky boys we weren't not we still aren't consummate professionals but we were just kind of have a go kind of fly by nights we thought actually this is what we'd like to do we desperately wanted to do it we turned to the university to help facilitate you know the needs and the wants of the industry and what we thought we knew when we arrived man maybe at times a little bit cocky maybe sometimes self-assured that's what I mean about the mistakes it's okay to make mistakes what's not okay is to not know you've made them and not reflect and and then you kind of, if you do it in front of a smaller crowd or whatever, you then don't do it in front of a bigger crowd. So, you know, I ended up doing the, the top 40. Do you remember that Woolworths lent me all of the C, uh, CDs for the top 40? I did the top 40 show on a Sunday and it was like, you know, I was doing all the big radio voices in at number 41 and all this sort of stuff. It was all a bit naff in hindsight. Now, did, okay, so my, my memory is a bit, did, did you
10: and I do that show together? I think we did. I think yeah. we did. And Woolworths, very kindly, when they yeah. were a thing, gave us all the records, Yeah. or C, in fact, CD. They uh-huh. gave us the CD singles to play, yeah. and sometimes there were gaps. Yeah, and sometimes we didn't have the, you know, because yeah. back in that those yeah. days, we yeah. could, sometimes you just couldn't get hold of them. <laughs> um, probably for the best in some cases, but yeah, I yeah. remember that. I remember doing the Top Forty but show
9: I mean, because t- Toby did the Breakfast Show as well. So you did that, with Becky, didn't you? I, I think i did i, I may have, yeah two things are clear my my recollection is far stronger and clearer than toby's and i was drunk <laughs> though for most of it that, yes I think it was, probably, there was definitely uh some uh parties in in, in the garden they were, times, yeah. They were. Uh, and uh, yeah we, we, there's no time to bring up the zone or legends which is where i met my wife i hope <laughs> those have been closed down um But I I lived um, up in Clarendon Road, wasn't it? The top side of town, which is kind of, uh, it's all, this is opening a file in my head, like a Pandora's box of memories. And I'm thinking, how can it be this long ago? You know, I, I, I do, to bring it back to point, which is about, you know, your celebration, this anniversary. I do think it is incredible. I love longevity. I love, you know, the world is such a crazy, cruel and uh, disappointing place so often. And so when you hear a success and something that's survived all of the reasons to close it, can it stop it? Then I think, great. You know, I'm absolutely on, on the side of those folk that kind of have kept it. They've got, you've obviously modernised it, updated it, adapted it and kept it relevant and right. And that you know you should take a moment you know i know you're a generation through and and those before and then those after you there's a responsibility here that kind of we never knew we were starting because we just thought if we can pull it off for a year it's amazing but that's why i think tome and i wanted to make the time because you know it's it's you know a moment of quiet reflection we do have them occasionally where you sit and think about what was achieved and, you know, and I wish you all on your course and you two kind of absolute, you know, success in what you go on to do.
3: Sid, you were mentioning how it sort of opened up a Pandora's box of memories from, yes. from the station. Um, oh, you want to go in there, do you? Yeah. I, well, well, I mean, I was actually going to ask, uh, what was your favourite memory of being at Lucent FM?
9: I think I still, I mean, it's still the same feeling I get now. There's something about a tally light on or a red light outside a studio that tells you you're alive or a countdown or a handover, because I still get sort of hard counts now from gallery PAs, which is on air in 10 seconds, or when we talk to network, or you know you're about to every word you say go out. So I, I, I always think that that moment where you're about to go live, you've got those butterflies, that sense of, here we go, whatever happens, I'm not coming out of this for, in your case, 24 hours. For my case, an hour after the chart show, whatever we were doing, Toby, it was an hour or two hours probably by the time we'd eked out 40 plays of three minutes or whatever it was. But, you know, that you know that you're up and running, you know, whatever you do, however you fail, your colleague will either help you or, you know, you're, you're in that moment and you've got to live on your wits. And and that's, that's really exciting as it still is for me. I still get the same buzz when I hear Countdown to on air, I still love that sense of live. And there's something about the liveness which absolutely unites Tobe and I still because even though I'm in a slightly different area of the business now, we are both, I think, exhilarated by that fact that, you know, it's in that moment, isn't it? It's And, and it's gone, you know. I know that kind of media can be kind of quite, not cheap, but, so, you know, there's so much of it now. You think about what BBC Sounds does about all of the sort of, platforms to be able to get audio and engage with content now, it's 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 far more vast than ever we expected it necessarily to be. We were we were the sort of trying to be pioneers back then. And now 25 years later, you know, the the, the whole expanse of you know the on-demand, particularly in the TV area, have, have totally distorted the budgets, you know, the ability to get acts artists, you know, Ricky Gervais who was always BBC to the core doing Netflix and after there's a, there's a lot of chess pieces that are moved around. I'm sure, and I would be as thrilled to be going live for 24 hours now, 25 years later, I would get the same buzz. How did working at Loosen FM help you get to where you are today? Well, I'll go first. By giving me the confidence and the skills and the understanding that you don't do anything alone. It's only a fool that thinks they get to where they've got in their job without the help and support of others. And I think it consolidated, you know, my brilliant friendships with some amazing folks that I met by chance, because it is happenstance who's on your course, you know, friends for life, friends who have gone on to be, you know, industry champions, friends who care about, you know, now supporting the next generation. That for me was what it taught me. It taught me that actually, even even though we were doing something entirely new and it didn't matter to everybody, the fact that it mattered to us and the people that we were circling amongst, was enough. It was enough to teach us what we needed to do. And actually, you know, whilst respecting and caring for the listeners, you know, it was about the mechanics. This whole thing was about the mechanics of that radio station. So actually, you know, you've all the responsibility. If you turn up and you're shonky or shoddy or not on your A-game, you're letting the radio station down. That's probably what it taught me.
10: me. It gave me the love. I think that's the thing. It gave me the, the love uh, that I built my career on. Actually making radio programmes week in, week out, for real, uh, was what made the basis for my passion and my love of radio.
0: BBC Three Counties Radio's Toby Friedner there, ending that lively segment with him and Sid Cole, celebrating 25 years of radio at the University of Bedfordshire. Incidentally, on file, I found a clip of a trailer for the chart show that they were talking about when they were referencing borrowing CDs from Woolworths.
10: Every Sunday afternoon between 1 and 4, it's the Luton FM Chart Show, an exclusive rundown of the movers and the shakers in the week's chart. Each Sunday, I'll bring you the very latest chart news, along with competitions and a look back in time.
0: I'm sure Toby Friedner won't thank me for digging that one out, but it's fantastic to hear the enthusiasm and energy from the 1990s, 25 years later. I thought it would be very appropriate, before we bring this special episode to a close, to speak with the two guys that came up with all the content. I recently spoke with Nathan Randall and Toby Crabb to find out about their experience in celebrating 25 years of radio at Bedfordshire. But first, I asked why they decided to study radio at the university in the first place.
2: Do you know what, for me funny enough where i am right now in in my kitchen i remember when i was um when i was having breakfast literally just listening to the radio one breakfast show and i was just thinking you know what such a cool job like you know this is a cool thing they get to do literally go in you know speak for a couple hours do some funny games play some music and you know (laughs) get to talk to these amazing musicians (laughs) i was like wow what a cool gig and then you know i got to sixth form i was like it's an actual job. You can actually do it, you know. You, you can actually learn how to do radio and do that. So for me, I remember just when I got to sixth form, I think many people can relate to this going, oh, what do I want to do afterwards? And I just remember just at the end and listening again to Radio 1 Bedfordshire thinking, this is an actual job. Looked, looked into it on, you know, university courses. to University of Bedfordshire. One well, did stand out for radio and audio. So I then went, but that's what I would want to do. Because, mm. you know, it's... I think when you grow up and you go, that's uh, that's a really cool thing, and then you go, it's possible to do it. That's how it all started for me on wanting to study radio and audio for three years.
0: Interesting. And, and and what about you, Nathan? A similar situation or something slightly different?
3: I knew I wanted to do radio from such an early age. Like we'd always have the radio on in the house, and I was always really, really into music. Like that was my main passion. And 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 so the idea of just you know. Having a job where you can, you know, play songs and talk about them sounded like an absolute dream compared to most jobs, and it still does. (laughs) What about
0: the performing aspect of radio? Because I think both of you, it's fair to say, quite enjoy being a voice on the radio. You've presented plenty of of radio programmes. Did either of you have any sort of background, which made you a, a bit of a, a show-off or performance person?
2: Well, I I did study drama for GCSE and A-level, so I'm, I'm, I'm really into like acting and all that sort of stuff and um, doing comedy sort of stuff. I remember when I was in doing uh, GCSE drama, my whole thing I was getting marked on was a comedy play, so I really do enjoy comedy, making people laugh, and I think that's really helped me When coming up with ideas to do stuff on the radio, like me and Nathan hosted a Wednesday drive time show, and the sort of stuff we came up with, you know, the aim is to make people laugh and make people have a a good time. I think what great thing about radio, and particularly what COVID did, was that connection with the listener. And I think that's why community radio is so important still, because you can still have that connection to your listener. So I think drama, yeah, and performance certainly helped me do these silly things and have the confidence to do it like I had to run around, do it. we did this thing, me and Nathan on drive time. Uh, doors and wheels, you remember that mm-hmm. thing when that was really big and popular? So I've just left Radio Radiolab, so we've got one door here. Then we've got two automatic doors. So I'm telling you this is free. we we've got three doors. Now I've gone to another door, four, already four doors in one corner by the radio station. Now, if we're getting really technical with doors, are we counting lift doors? Because I've just stumbled across here. Two lifts, and they're separate doors. So then we I had to, to run what? around the university with my phone and, and like with a little microphone, like just counting how many doors and how many wheels around the university. The, the looks I was getting, people thought I was crazy and needed help from just running around counting doors and wheels. I don't think I'll be able to do that if it wasn't for studying drama at A-level. It's
3: a lot less about the performance side for me. I didn't do any of those, you know, courses like that. I mean, I did A-levels in geography, politics and Spanish, which Mm. are nothing of the sort. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's only because until university, I didn't really get the chance to actually, like, study radio or do radio. And that's what I really wanted to do. Mm. And so the idea of there being a radio course at this university, it it hooked me instantly. I was like, I want to do that. I, I'm not. I'm not the most chatty person. Like when 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 you first meet me or anything. Like I'm I'm quite socially awkward, and so having that kind of subject to talk a lot about really helps. Like you can talk a lot about the music, and the music's one of my biggest passions. Mm. And I think that's what what really helps me in in terms of coming up with radio content.
0: On on the subject of, of this, like broadly related, what skills do you think you both? picked up from your your time at the university and at radio lab when i'm talking about skills obviously um you you learned some audio production skills but are there any other soft skills from from spending extensive time at a radio station and on the radio that you think you picked up
2: how long have you got <laughs> you be here all day you know with with managing radio lab um in the last year you learned so much on the job you, you learn how to deal with problems solutions you're obviously training people so then you're learning ways on how, people, how to make people feel comfortable with presenting like different presenting styles because everyone's got different styles on how they want to present a show i think for me problem solving communication more as well and um taking more of the responsibility you know for me because of covid didn't really get to do much radio so then going from not being much in radio lab and you know, knowing and being involved with the radio station to then be instructed and write you're going to be leading the radio station uh, this year. Mm. I think you learn a lot on the job then. And I think I think coming up with ideas, and like you're coming up with more ideas, brainstorming more on on the spot, presenting and you know, I learned everything. I think I learned everything in that year. Obviously, yeah, audio editing for the first and second year, building that up. But I think a lot more to do with radio and um, on how to entertain people, how to uh, come up with some great ideas and learning on the spot. And Yeah, how to deal with problems. I think that was the main thing. If something goes wrong and how do you deal with it and how do you overcome it? I think that was one of my main things I learned from, from Radio Lab in my last year.
3: I, I would completely agree with everything that Toby just said, because like, we were really thrown into the deep end just having to having to manage the radio station despite having really very little opportunity to use it in the first two years because of the pandemic and so that meant that we had to learn a lot of it as we went along and I think thankfully we 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 picked it up very quickly and that's useful as well in in it's a a skill that you can sort of learn you know new audio editing software or whatever else like uh, even Myriad which we use to to schedule everything on the radio station, we, we got the hang of it mm. really quickly. And I think that is a useful skill to, to take anywhere else.
0: Oh yeah, in terms of you know specific radio skills, um, using some software which you know is used elsewhere, or at least very similar software gets used in lots of other places too. Um, hopefully that that is <laughs> that is useful for for you when you're looking for jobs in the radio industry. And it's really interesting to hear you both talking about problem solving and that critical thinking. And it makes me think that as well. There's a certain pressure uh, of of broadcasting live radio and keeping a radio station going, and and having to deal with that pressure is perhaps a skill that on top of some of the more obvious ones like communication skills, organisation, confidence as well, becoming more confident. So there's hopefully lots of skills that you've picked up um, over your time that you can take going on to whatever you go on to do next. And when you're applying for jobs, when you're doing those next jobs, let's hope that those skills are useful to you. Why do you think it was important to mark... Twenty-five years of the radio station, guys. Why? Why did you want to do that?
3: The, the idea came from seeing a, a poster that was still up in the Radio Lab studios celebrating twenty years of radio, mm. and I was like, "That was five years ago. It's going to be twenty-five years this year. We need to do something to to, to mark this occasion because obviously, twenty-five years is is quite a big milestone. Obviously, you know, I do think it is important to reflect on." the station's history and indeed loads of people who have been in the same position that we were in pretty much and, and seeing what they've ended up doing and, and the skills they, they learned from it and the experiences they gained from being at the radio station. I was really into the idea of being able to like get them on and talk with them about their time at the station and what specifically they they got out of it. It helped us kind of find what, what, what our place was in all of that. And realizing that, you know, this station wasn't always there and there's a lot of people who have helped it become what it now is, yes. and have been been part of its journey.
0: Yeah, and you and you were doing a lot of the uh, initial chasing of these guests as well. We, we found some email addresses, and you found some email addresses, and uh, and you were contacting people to come on on this twenty five hour program and sorted up pre-recordings and things like that how was how was dealing with some of these people that working in in professional environments did that was that a confidence boosting thing for you
3: nathan definitely i was i was like really unsure about how to go about emailing people who i'd you know never spoken to in my life Mm. (laughs) that was something that i i wasn't very confident with at all but once i i'd sent you know a few emails off the, the the process just it really sped up from there yeah
2: i think it's really important to celebrate what people have done before us at Radio Lab. I think the great thing about Radio Lab and when it was Luton FM is the history the radio stations had, the type of people who have come through the doors of when they've just started their careers. You could be all day naming all the people we have Ricky Melvin, and there were so many great people. I think what was great about that show and that whole 25 hours of it in the build up to it was how people just loved their time and memories of being in student radio and community radio because it is a fun time and it's where you get to really explore and do what you know you, you want to do in radio. So I think it was vital to celebrate the history, the past of it and to recognize that this radio station has played a really big role in a lot of people's lives and even people who have not gone on to do TV or broadcasting radio it, it, it shaped a lot of people I can speak to volunteers who were at the radio station last year while it's managing they're not going to go on and do radio but it's built the confidence so much and I'm sure many other people can say that for the last 25 years what that radio station's done I think it's played a big part in a lot of people's lives.
0: On that subject, both of you talking, you know, with these alumni as part of the twenty-five hour program, what struck you about their experiences of their time at the university and and with Radiolab in particular?
2: What really struck me was like how they all just came up with their own features and like what they were saying to us. Listen, you could do a feature and it could just fail dramatically but this is the place to learn mm. that sort of stuff like you can come up with an idea and you go do you know what that didn't work and sometimes you would beat yourself up and you go ah, oh, it's really gutting because you know you're in a bubble this is what you're putting everything into so then you're really gutted if something doesn't work but speaking to the, uh, everyone they go yeah we made a lot of mistakes at, in student radio community radio but this is the place to learn from your mistakes and i think that what really struck me going so we could come up with an idea or do something on a show where it doesn't really land it doesn't really work but you learn from that and i think that yeah that's what it taught me going actually it's fine to make mistakes like, it's not a problem to make mistakes i think a lot of people particularly when i speak to new volunteers are absolutely the worst thing they're scared about is making a mistake where i think we've had to try and put the idea of this is the place to make mistakes do not worry and i think i got that even more so from speaking to everyone who used to be involved with radio lab and luton fm mm.
3: That is I think the main thing you could take from it is the fact that it was not always the thing that they actually like specifically wanted to go on and have a career in, and yet they all really enjoyed their time there and they gained a lot of skills from being there and and they also like I, I've heard so many stories of of um of the radio lab sort of community basically mm. where where people would always spend time with with each other like other presenters and other people at the station. And there was always that community feel about it, which we really tried to take on and, and, and make it a thing this year as well.
0: Bringing the volunteers together a bit more. And I have to say, when I listened to some of um, the stories over the 25 hours and, and putting this podcast together as well, what, what struck me is, is the amount of fun everyone seems to have had in, in contributing to Radio Lab, And that's, that's really lovely too, because I have to say, when I think back to my own... Uh, student radio days especially i had so much fun and and lots of my best university memories were were actually made in that radio station so that, that's good to hear as well It's the same for so many people um thank you very much both of you oh,
9: thank you for having us
0: terry yeah thank you very much terry that is it for this special episode of Fantastic Noise, celebrating 25 years of Radio Lab at the University of Bedfordshire. Thanks so much for joining us. There will be some more conventional episodes dropping in the feed very soon. Do subscribe, give us a review and a rating, and follow us on social media at A Fantastic Noise for future updates and previews. Thanks again to all the guests today, Melvin O'Doom, Sam Darlaston, Becky Jago, Dan Pryor, Megan Murphy, Kelly Betts, Sid Cole, Toby Friedner, and of course, a huge thanks to Nathan Randall and Toby Craft for their considerable contribution. I could have easily included loads of other people and hours and hours of more great content that they produced for the 25-hour celebration in this podcast. Our artwork was produced by Stu Elvin, that's Stu with a double O, and our theme music is by Liam Aiton, remixed by Daniel Potter. This podcast was produced by me for the University of Bedfordshire's radio team, part of the School of Arts and Creative Industries, and recorded in the studios of Radiolab 97.1 FM. I'm Terry Lee, and this, I hope you'll agree, has been a fantastic noise.